Let's Talk Native is produced at the Eltian Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Zero, and welcome to Let's Talk Native. I've got to talk about an issue that I have talked about before, but before, I, let me explain why. Uh, a recent ruling came in an appeals court, uh, a ruling against the Seneca Nation, which in all, uh, for all intents and purposes, compels the Seneca Nation to pay the money that they've been withholding to the state on this battle over revenue sharing uh, with the state of New York. Uh, it looks like it's about four hundred and twenty or four hundred and thirty million dollars. So it's not five hundred million as I've as I've said in the past, but it's but it's over four hundred million. Um, and of course, this happens while um, the con confirmation hearings are wrapping up for Deborah Hallen in uh, as a secretary of the interior. I don't want to spend a great deal of time talking about the the intricacies of, of the gaming compact or of the uh, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act or the <laughs> the the, the uh, Hallen hearings I want to but I do want to explain the three core issues that the Interior Department has failed to address some of these are failures that they've you know where they failed to address it for over for 30 years um but I want to talk about the, the three real critical issues for the Seneca Nation and their interaction with the Interior Department. But let me first start by saying the reason I think it is so critical for the Interior Department to, to address these issues is because the Seneca Nation has run out of um, you know, run out of time here. Uh, they've they've tried some some court um, appearances. They've, they've you know they've used the federal courts uh, to kick the can as far as they can. And now with this last ruling from the appeals court, they've exhausted all of those, those legal challenges. And I have to say, these legal challenges were destined to fail because most of what is being argued is whether this, the Seneca Nation can overturn, for all intents and purposes, the arbitration ruling uh, th that came against them. And these courts are basically just going to say, look, you agreed to arbitration. And in that agreement, in your compact with arbitration, you agreed that you would not pursue any other remedies outside of arbitration. So you can't appeal your arbitration ruling in federal court. So this was, this was destined to happen. For all of this, these issues with the, the gaming compact, with revenue sharing, and where the, the state and the, Fed, uh, the state and the Seneca Nation uh, lie on this issue, it really does all come back to the Interior Department. And IGRA has been in place for over 30 years, and the Interior Department has really been derelict in their oversight of state abuses as it relates to this thing. So uh, again, I want to talk about the, the three issues uh, that the, the Seneca Nation really needs the 
or has needed the um, the Interior Department to address. And and I, and I'll start with essentially the, the the last real issue, which is the arbitration ruling. Now, one of the arbitrating uh, arbitration judges, uh, Kevin Washburn, when he was overruled by the two non-native uh, uh, judges, he basically said these two guys rewrote the compact. They added language. They interpreted the compact in such a way that they were going to add provisions to the compact. And and in doing so, what they're saying is, we're saying you've got to pay uh, revenue sharing for another another seven years, even though it's not written in into the compact. So they added language. And so the argument needs to be made is, if an arbitration panel, if a ruling came from an arbitration panel that changes or adds language to the compact, shouldn't the Interior Department have to sign off on it? Because they have to sign off on any amendments to a, to a gaming compact any, or any new gaming compact. The Seneca Nation tried to press the, the previous administration to do that, but they balked at it. And they said, well, unless both sides want us to do that, unless the state and the Seneca Nation wants us to look at it, we're not going to look at it. So this is something that could be pressed now, and, and it should be pressed now. Regardless of whatever the, the the Interior Department would rule on this thing, it should be required that if a change in a compact happens, and, and in this situation, a unilateral change, because this, the Seneca Nation doesn't agree with this change, then the, the Interior Department should have to rule. So that's one issue. The other issue is, and this is another dereliction of the Interior Department for many, many years, is the revenue-sharing uh, provisions in the first place. Are they legal? Are they legal if what the state has conceded for this revenue sharing isn't substantial enough or and it can't be quantified to be substantial enough to justify the amount of payment? The Seneca Nation paid the, the state of New York $1.4 billion in 14 years uh, of, of the initial term of their compact. And by, by no estimation can you come up with, or calculation, can you come up with a value anywhere near that as, as far as the, the, the state's um, exclusivity provision uh, uh, is concerned. So if they aren't getting something of value for what they're paying the state, is it legal? And of course, in this situation where the, the Seneca Nation is now forced to pay it, that it is not something that they agreed upon, is it legal? So again, is revenue sharing as it exists, specifically here in New York between New York State and the Seneca Nation, is it legal? And that's that's a, a perfectly fair question to ask, and it's a it's a it's a question that needs to be asked and answered with with the understanding that in order for for it to be legal, then the state has to to make its case that the industry looking at the at the exclusivity that they provided suggests that it's worth $1.4 billion in the first 14 years and perhaps another, certainly another $800 million to a billion dollars going forward. And, and of course, the state has competed against the Seneca Nation with their gaming parlors that they, that they placed in the racetracks. And they, they have now entered into class three gaming, into the class three gaming market with their, uh, with their full-blown casinos, state licensed casinos, 
one of which is is essentially in the same market, even though it's physically placed just outside the exclusivity zone. They they advertise in Western New York. They advertise within the Seneca mark, uh, Seneca Nation's gaming market. So there's no question that the Seneca Nation is not enjoying some sort of non compete status for for the for these billions of dollars that they're paying the state. And the third the the third issue is whether a state can simply walk away from a gaming compact or fail to renew a compact and effectively shut a, a native casino down. Because that's the loaded threat. That's where revenue sharing has become extortion. Because if the native gaming enterprise, Seneca Nation in this case, believe that they have to enter into a, a revenue sharing agreement or the state's going to walk away from the compact and thereby shut them down, then that's that's a loaded gun to your head. That's not that is not sharing revenue based on the state giving you something because the gift isn't the gaming compact. That's clear within the the um, the, the definitions of IGRA. And having said that, if you want more information on IGRA, I have done a, a YouTube video, and you can go to my Let's Talk Native TV. Uh, YouTube channel and look for John Kane discusses Igra. This is a, a really you know comprehensive but uh, but real good thumbnail sketch of what Igra is and what it isn't. And this video has actually been used in um, uh, in, a, in at least one university that I know that teaches about uh, native gaming. So uh, take a, take a look at that video. It'll, it'll teach you what I'm not going to belabor here in, in this uh, in this program, but. I think it's important that, 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 that people understand that the purpose of IGRA was to protect native peoples from organized crime and overly aggressive states, which in this case seemed to be the same thing. So in the absence of the Interior Department, which is the agency charged with enforcing IGRA against the states you know, and, and against native gaming, they, uh, the, the, the states have had their, their way with the states have basically gotten away with with extorting billions of dollars from native gaming uh, in the form of revenue sharing, even though on its face that is prohibited by the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. So, so the question right now is why would this? Because it, it, it does appear that the Seneca Nation is uh, is planning to pay the state. They're gonna, they're planning to cut a check for. 420 or 430 million dollars to the state of New York. So the question is why? Well, part of the reason is yes, they've exhausted their their legal challenges in federal court with this latest uh, appeals ruling. And the other issue is that if they don't pay, they they are forced to pay a penalty, uh, an interest penalty or some sort of punitive uh, damages for not paying. And you know, so so they won't be just stuck paying four hundred and thirty million dollars. They'll be they'll be stuck paying something. Somebody told me that it, that it was you know several million dollars a day that you know that was you know that was going to be accrued. I don't know if that's true or not. But so that's the argument for the Seneca Nation paying. The argument for not paying is that these unanswered questions have been hanging out there for you know, since since the Clinton administration. So Clinton Bush. Eight years of Clinton, eight years, eight years of Bush, eight years of Obama, and four years of Trump. And there is now a new administration. And 
the, the thing about these questions is it's not that anybody's gotten the bad answer back. They've either gotten no answer or they're relying on something that was written at the, at the earliest, you know, in the early phases of, of, of IGRA. There's no contemporary ruling or contemporary statement relating to revenue sharing, related to changes in the compact, or related to whether a state can essentially shut a, a, a native gaming facility down by, by just failing to renew a compact. Those questions need to be answered. Regardless of what the answer is, those questions need to be asked and answered of this administration, of this Interior Department, and frankly, of this Interior Secretary. Now, she may or may not be confirmed even as we speak. I don't know. But she's on the cusp of being confirmed. It does appear that she has, you know, has survived the confirmation hearings and is likely to be confirmed. And this is a native person. This is Deborah Hallen, who is Laguna Pueblo from, from New Mexico. She has gaming experience because that's what she did. You know, she, she served in some capacity with their, the, the economic development and, and the gaming industry of the Laguna Pueblo. And she has some experience uh, because New Mexico is one of those states that has been overtly aggressive in terms of revenue sharing with native gaming. So she is not, you know, ill-equipped to, to, to have an opinion on this. And in this situation, this is just, she only has to do what the previous, you know, or, or what what has been written about the responsibility of the interior department and the prohibitions against, she's just going to enforce the regulations against the state. I mean, there's, there's no way that if she makes a legitimate ruling that, that it can harm the Seneca nation. And, and honestly, she should be given a shot. She should give, be given a shot to fix this. She should be given a shot to fix what previous, what the, what the white, Men who have been in that position before her have failed to do. But I'll tell you, she's not, she, it isn't just that she should be given a shot. She should be compelled to, to give an answer. And if the Seneca nation or any of the other nations facing the same thing, get a direct response out of the interior department that says, no, we're not going to do it. Then, then let's put it out there because all of the euphoria over having a native interior secretary should be confronted with the reality of what she may or may not do. If she steps up and she does what she's supposed to do, what previous secretaries were supposed to do, then, then she will have earned something in the eyes of, the, of, of quote unquote Indian country. She will have earned some credibility in that position. And, we will, and then we can say, look, I guess there is a benefit to having a native person in that position. But if she doesn't, and if she doesn't address the questions, if she if she fails to answer the questions, look, she's got all the responsibilities in terms of bureaus of the Bureau of Land Management and, you know, and any number of things involved with mining and the extractive industries and pipelines and all that other stuff. And there is a lot of room within her rulings on these things to either bypass some of the regulations that are already written. She doesn't need new. She doesn't need any new laws. She doesn't need a piece of legislation as it relates to either pipelines or the Indian Gaming Regulatory uh, Act. It's, it's there. All she has to do is do her job. And if she doesn't, then, then myself, the Seneca Nation, anybody else who's watching this issue can say, well, there you have it. Now we've got a Native person doing the oppressing, not just the, the white guys who preceded her. So... 
Or we get to say, look, you know, getting a native person in there who who does have some insight, who does know this this issue, who is prepared to take on the challenges, then look, we we have been served by that. And, you know, and, and I'll shut my mouth on that one. <laughs> I mean, you know, of course, there will be other issues that we'll have to see where she comes out on. But here's here's one of the challenges, because like so many issues in uh, in American politics, in, in fact, in American life, th- things are, are split up along the, the political divisions. I mean, it's, it's right versus left. It's Democrat versus Republican. Well, in in this situation. Deborah Hallen, a Democrat, sitting as the Interior Secretary, will, uh, if she does her job, will essentially have to take on a prominent Democratic governor in Andrew Cuomo. Regardless of whatever controversy he's going through between sexual har- harassment uh, allegations and, uh, and his handling of COVID as it relates to nursing homes, he is still a prominent democratic figure in in the party in the united states not just in new york state in the, in the united states there there are some who you know still talk about him as a possible you know presidential candidate one day so will she take on this issue knowing that one of her main antagonists may be a a fellow democrat you know that that ends up being a question <clears throat> But I guess the reason I wanted to do this story today, even though I've addressed this issue many times before, is I think the Seneca people. So for those Senecas who do listen to the podcast and for those of you who know Senecas, the question has to be, why is the Seneca Nation not trying to kick the can into the lap of Deborah Howland? I mean, if if there's and what I'm hearing is that the Seneca Nation is going to cut a check. The Seneca Nation is going to cut the check to New York State, and they're making the arrangements to do that now. I don't know if it's true, but that's just, that's just the buzz that, that I've picked up. And, of course, you've got mayors in you know Niagara Falls and in Buffalo and Salamanca that are just you know chomping at the bit, hoping that they're going to get their $40 million out of this. Um, out of the $100 million that will come back to Western New York, they're all, you know, starry-eyed about this money coming in especially with with what's uh with what covid has done to to their local economies they were in trouble before covid yeah and and the casinos the Seneca nation casinos in particular had nothing to do with the problems that they've had they've been part of the solution because they they have been making payments to the state and the, and those payments have you know 25 percent of those that those numbers have come back but keep in mind in the 14 years of the first term of the gaming compact between the Seneca Nation and New York State, the Seneca Nation paid $1.4 billion. Only $400 million of that came back. So, again, do the math. So for all these mayors, you know, craving this dollar, th- these dollars that come to them, they're still ignoring the fact that a billion dollars left Western New York. A billion dollars left the Western New York economy. And it went to, and it went to Albany. And it didn't come back. Out of the 1.4.4 came back, billion, but a billion didn't. That's money that left the economy. That, that's money that left, you know, you know that, that didn't get spent in the stores, that didn't get spent on professional services, that didn't get you know, uh, spent in restaurants and in auto dealers and, and all of that stuff. That's money gone. So when I hear a mayor saying, oh, we're so glad the Seneca Nation is paying, but then, then you better understand that even though the Seneca Nation is paying the state of New York, 
It's the state. It's the state of New York taking hundreds of millions of dollars, or in this case, billions of dollars, out of Western New York, so you can get, you know, your tens of millions of dollars in uh, in, in payback from from Albany. Shame on you for wishing this on the Seneca Nation and wishing it on your own community because you're basically greasing the skids for money to be sucked out of Western New York. And, and, and I feel strongly about that because nobody has, has done any analysis on this. Everybody keeps saying, oh, but our communities are struggling. Well, you know who else is struggling? The Seneca Nation. Gaming is almost singularly their means of public finance. It is how the Seneca Nation is funded. It is how they pay for their buildings. It's how they pay for their construction. It's how they pay for their programs. It's, it's how they, they redistribute some of that, that money back to the individual Senecas. All of that stuff is at risk. Their, their health clinic, their education department. You know, all of that is at risk. $400 million means a hell of a lot more to the Seneca Nation than it does to New York State. And while the mayors of, uh, you know, of Niagara Falls, Buffalo, and Salamanca are, are crying about not having enough revenue for their cities, nobody's been hearing the Seneca Nation cry about it. But I'm telling you right now, the Seneca Nation is, is struggling to maintain its level of service to their people in the way it, because of this pandemic. That $400 million that, that the state is trying to grab from them right now, trying to squeeze out of them, for an exclusivity that doesn't exist, that $400 million would go a long way to, make, to, to helping the Seneca Nation get through this pandemic. And, and there's no, they can have no anticipation about getting help from the state or from the federal government. Some might come. But this is their means to take care of themselves with, uh, take care of themselves with their own resources, with their own revenue, with their own means of public finance while the state's trying to squeeze, squeeze money out of them. So, look, I, I hope that enough Senecas can, can encourage the Seneca Nation to, to at least force an answer out of, out of the Interior Department. And I, and I don't know if they're getting bad advice from the legal counsel. I suspect that's part of it. I don't know if, it's, if the Seneca Nation is caught into some of this bipartisan you know, bickering and, and believes that Deborah Hallen is going to be a failure for them. I, maybe that's their belief. But how do you know if you don't... Look, I've, I'm as critical as anybody of, of Native people entering into that system. But she's there. And she's probably in, in, the, in the midst of being confirmed now or will be confirmed shortly. Give her a shot. Give her a shot. And like I said, more than give her a shot. Call her out. Call Biden out. Call this administration out to do what the previous administrations haven't done. Worst case scenario, you're going to pay the money, and you're going to, and you might incur some some penalties. But but the but the risk, the reward for this risk, is that you don't pay the four hundred million dollars at all, and you don't pay another four hundred million dollars over the next three years, and that you aren't compelled by the state of New York to, to share your revenue you know, going forward forever at the risk that they're going to, they're, they're going to cancel your compact and, and then, and shut your doors, get the answers to the questions that this, that the interior department for the last 30 years has failed to, to answer. Look, IGRA is a flawed document. It is a flawed law and it, it put 
New York State and every state in bed with Native people when, they, when the states didn't have the authority to be there in the first place. But this is a way that the promise of IGRA was that, was that it was going to hold back states from being overly aggressive. This is a way to make, make that at least part of that come true. And if, and if, if not, then we need to stop suggesting that the game is rigged and, and show that the game is rigged. Show that the Interior Department is rigged, that IGRA is rigged, that the state is rigged. Let's, let's put it out there and be clear about it so we can get away with these illusions that we're, that we're somehow buying will, goodwill from the state of New York or we're buying goodwill from the federal government. Let's stop playing that game. Let's be honest about what it is by making them be honest. Regardless of what, the, what they rule, those three questions, <laughs> you know, can, can, an can an arbitration panel you know, change a compact without the, the Interior Department ruling, uh, ruling on it? Can that happen? That question. Is revenue sharing as it exists today legal under IGRA? Get, just ask the question. And three, can a state shut down a casino a native casino by simply walking away from a gaming compact. How do we not know the answers? The Seneca nation has been, has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on lawyers in the, in the uh, almost 20 years that they've been in gaming. How do they not know the answer to these questions? How does nobody know the answer to these questions after 30 years of the Indian gaming regulatory act? And I'll tell you why, because most of these uh, these compacts, most of these these gaming deals, have been manipulated by by lawyers who don't serve us. They serve they serve the federal government. They 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 generally try to serve a a, a broader native audience, and, and and they pitch themselves as experts in Indian gaming, and because that's what they do. Because that's what they do. They are not going to go too far out of, uh, out of their way. But this is an answer. These are answers to questions that need to be asked and they need to be answered. So, so the Seneca Nation knows what it's got to do going forward. And not just the Seneca Nation. Look, there are nations all around you know, uh, Turtle Island who are looking at the Seneca Nation and others to see how this thing's going to work out. Certainly you know, the Mohawks and the Oneidas and now the Shinnecocks. Are, is everybody going to continue to be fleeced by the state of New York, forced to pay 25% of their, of their, of their slot revenue, their, the net slot drop, which is really closer to 50% of the slot revenue? Is everybody going to be forced to do this, even as the state props up their own state licensed casinos and cut them slack on, the, on their percentages? There is no exclusivity. There's no protected market for the Seneca Nation or the Oneidas, or the Mohawks, or, and there won't be for the, the Shinnecock. So what are they going to pay the state for? What concession is the state going to offer that will allow the, the Interior Department to approve these revenue-sharing agreements? There, there's, there's nothing that they can offer. I mean, the, the market's already too saturated. There's too much gaming that exists, not only by the states, but by all the states around. There's, there's lottery, there's casinos, there's bingo halls, there, there, there's any number of things that really pit the, the Seneca Nation and any native gaming operation in, in direct competition, sports betting, in direct competition with, with others.
It's a shrinking market and it's a populated market. So what could the states possibly offer that would be worth a billion dollars over seven or eight years? Almost, almost nothing. So look, I, I hope the Senate nation drags its feet, drags its feet just long enough so that they can at least force an answer out of this administration, out of this interior department, out of this interior secretary. And shame on Deborah Halland if she doesn't provide an answer. Shame on her if she provides the wrong answer. And, you know, shame on all of you who, who, who sat there, you know, with, you know, with doe eyes about how wonderful it was to get a, uh, a Native person in the Interior Department. This is, this is the challenge of today. Look, we've got pipeline issues. We've got environmental issues. We've got a lot of other issues. But this is, this is one of the easy ones. This is essentially low-hanging fruit for this interior department to do right by native people who have become increasingly dependent on, on casino gaming. This was a, a path we were lured down. And right now we've got so many native territories that depend on their casino revenue as, as their means of public finance. And one thing that COVID has proven is that, that nothing is infallible. We, we knew that gaming wasn't recession-proof, but we damn sure know that it's not pandemic-proof. And unless the Interior Department finally steps up, it's not, you know, it, it also can't withstand the aggression of states that, ha, that has been allowed to, to, to fester for, for, for 30 years in some cases, certainly 20 years, almost 20 years in the case of the Seneca Nation. I'm hoping the Seneca Nation stands tough at least long enough to get an answer. And I hope they stand tough enough to demand an answer. I think it's in everybody's best interest, even if there's some risk. So I wanted to address that today. Um, again, I encourage you to look at our YouTube channel, John Kane discusses IGRA. It'll give you some insight on what the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act is. And uh, we'll, we'll bring something back to you next time. Thanks for listening. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. <laughs>